so apparently, uh, scientists have found a compound in beer that may hinder degenerative cognition diseases. Awesome. <laughs> So they, they found um, 42 that create them, but that's all right. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Blind Tiger Podcast, your one-stop shop for beer news, reviews, and all things brews. I am your host, the man who believes that running in fear constitutes a solid win, Rob Fisher. With me, as always, is the man who proves time and again that he doesn't believe in the no-win homebrew scenario, Mike Albright. And of course, the man whose audio skills are so resplendent that Kanye West will interrupt the Grammys to talk about his music, the man far, far too handsome for a Charlie Sheen Coke-fueled rant about winning, Jesse Clark. <laughs> Today is February 11th, 2015, and we're recording episode 48, Victory Conditions. For more information on any of the segments from today's show, visit our website at www.blindtigerpodcast.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or subscribe to the show on iTunes. And for those of you who enjoy listening to podcasts via Stitcher, we are now there as well. We provide near daily news, reviews, and just about anything involving brews. Don't miss out and subscribe today. So, Victory Brewing Company, a local slash regional favorite, is celebrating 19 years of fine craft brewing. They have had explosive growth over the last few years, opening another brew house and brew pub location. We have talked at length about how awesome their beers have been, including their latest double IPA creations, Hop Ranch and Dirt Wolf. Since Victory is getting the good word out that they are just shy of a full score of years under their belts, we thought we'd tip our glasses into our mouths and continue celebrating with our own Victory-themed episode. It is to that effect that we start our episode with this week's opening question, what victory throughout history should have been the initial impetus for Victory Brewing? Impetus. Nice word choice. Go ahead, Mike. All right. Full disclosure, and I did not try this. I'm actually drinking a Troganator right now, so (laughs) (laughs) my bad. (laughs) Didn't get the memo. I'm the guy who's wearing the shirt in the band he was going to see, which was not intentional this morning, but hey, whatever. Now I feel like a double asshole. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I I like this question. It's almost too good and too hard to answer, but uh, there are some notable battles that I'd like to talk about, so I'll just go with two. Uh, For starters, let's uh, start with war. There have been many uh, famed battles over the course of mankind, some being more lopsided than others. Uh, the Battle of uh, Agincourt, I believe it's called, uh, waged nearly 600 years ago to the day, uh, saw the tide of the 100 Years' War turning in favor of the English. King Henry V massacred a more heavily armored French force with the help of some newfangled uh, technology called the Longbow. Estimates put the French losses at 100 to 1. Uh, what I would choose? Why, why would I choose an English victory to celebrate an American company? Well, I mean, think of all the wine we'd be drinking if the English mm-hmm. hadn't, uh, had lost. Uh, I mean, the English eventually went on to bring us many important beer styles, such as the porter and, yes, the IPA. So good on them. But I understand if this is too Anglophile for some people to hear. So I propose another victory that Victory Brewing Company could hang its reimagined history hat on. Uh, most remember the miracle on ice, but what about the miracle on turf? Playing their only game against one another, the heavily underdog U.S. World Cup soccer team of the 
uh, World Cup game, beat the heavily favored English team one to nothing on the backs of some real ragtag players. I mean, I mean, most of them had mismatched collar, blue collar jobs back home, and some players were actually not even uh, technically <laughs> citizens. <laughs> Whoops. But they uh, apparently uh, claimed that they were going to become citizens, and that's good enough in the World Cup's uh, eyes, FIFA's eyes. Oh. As long as he said, yeah, I'll eventually become a citizen, they're like, all right, that works. Eventually, and here's a whole pile of money, FIFA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they the, went, they're not corrupt. What are you talking about? Not, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, we, we eventually won. Uh, the, end of the end of the score stood at one nothing. But we've been getting our collective football, football asses kicked ever since. So. It, yeah, it was miracle fun, on fun turf. While it lasted. But yeah, literally, like their star player, they held him out of the game because they're like, "Now nah, we'll win this one. We need you for a later game." And then we ended up uh, pretty much. It sounded like our goalie was amazing for that game. Huh. As much as like Howard is awesome, apparently that guy who uh, in his spare time or like what he did back here was he drove a hearse part time for his like uncle for a funeral home. Yeah, he was like he he had so many ridiculous saves that just uh, made it so that they didn't score at all. And we won one nothing. Wow, Mister Eisenhower, tear down that wall blocking the goal. Yeah. <laughs> well, that. Well, Jesse, so that was agree. that was really good. I mean, I was considering legitimate victories at first. Like I, you know, at first I was thinking topical. Like you, you were like that back over Kanye yeah, and yeah. Beyonce. Well, Beyonce via well, anyway, um, <laughs> and that made too much sense. I, I really, I, I you know, I was th- I looked at the history of Downingtown and it was you know named. There was a, it was it was involved with the World War of eighteen twelve. Now it was looking through the history. There was a war involving beer in Poland. Mm. That was kind of interesting. But I decided that this is, it's it is about beer after all. And I figured this was more of like an anti enlightenment. This is victory over enlightenment. This is irrationality over rationality. It's. I mean, you become dehydrated when you drink the product. I mean, that's because yeah. it's kind of odd. It's it's anti lame This is beer. It's victory is victory of entropy. It's a uh, you know that hydroxide ion and alcohol that OH negative that just displaces the water in your body as you drink it. You know, <laughs> so um, I, I was you know what victory of gravity is you fall to the ground. This nah. is so the battle I would go for is the not the one that doesn't make sense. It 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 would be that of Joan of Arc. Yeah. All of her wins. <laughs> I think the, the ones that just don't make sense, like oh. she should not have won any back, of those. Back to the Hundred Years' War. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah like just it. this doesn't make sense, and that's 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 where I think victory should foot should uh, rest its 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 uh, success on. Um, it is beer. This is anti enlightenment. This is anti rationality. <laughs> so on a whack job woman who claimed she heard the voice of God. Hey, she was on a mission from God. I mean, was, that's happened before. Uh, that's Blues Brothers, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> I was seeing more of the band back together, but (laughs) I was seeing more of the movie The Messenger, which with Mila Jovovich playing the same character she always plays, which Uh, is slash half ass badass and slash half terrified white chick. So, Mm. uh, (laughs) but that was her as Joan of Arc, right? Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she was half badass and half terrified. Yeah, yeah, that was Fifth Element last night. I saw on Sci-Fi, and then Resident Evil movies. She's pretty much the same way. In the later on, later on, she gets. uh, What was that character? She was like one of the. Adrian Brody, the guy with the nose. Hey, Brody, Brody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was he was the puppet or something like that? And he was like, she was a girl next door. He was trying to pick up. Oh no, oh, no, it was his friend. Oh, yeah. It was his friend. Was he, she was his friend, was like next friend? door. And then he was trying to pick up some other girl, and she was giving him like. Oh, that's right. There was a scene where, like, she was like, "Oh no, girls like this type of music." Here's a tape of Philip Sousa. <laughs> Every chick likes marches. Yeah. <laughs> On the Fourth of July, they like Philip Sousa. Weird, weird. So, what did you say, Rob? 
Well, okay, so originally I was going to go something remarkably nerdy. Uh, I was going to claim to be king of the nerds at this table here, given that we all have our nerds' obsession, and go with Deep Blue beating Gary Kasparov and how that opened the door to Watson beating all of... The Jeopardy stars, and then onward, how our you know our our new digital overlords will eventually take over all of uh, all of humanity. But I wanted to change my answer because Jesse reminded me the greatest victory that I've ever considered of all time, and that is the Dillinger Escape Plan, not the shitty shitty band, well, the quasi decent band, but the actual John Dillinger himself, who was, for those who don't know, an American gangster and bank robber during the Depressionary United States. He happened to rob him and his gang. 24 banks and four police stations. Yes, the man was brazen enough to rob four police stations. He was jailed twice, and one of the escapes from which he, uh, one of the jails that he escaped from, he took a bar of soap, whittled it into the shape of a gun, got black shoe polish, put the shoe polish on the gun, and then when a when his jailer approached his cell, pointed the fake soap gun at the guy, and proceeded to escape from prison with a fake soap gun. That is awesome. Yeah. Uh, where he walked out front to a uh, his, his fair lady waiting for him uh, in, with a car, and off they took off, and he went back to continue his crime wave in the, uh, in the United States, which was crazy. He was only brought down by a beautiful woman in a red dress, his uh, his lady friend who betrayed him to the FBI oh, and yeah. uh, he was slaughtered yeah, viciously. Yeah, shot down, right? Yeah, like no questions asked. Like let's just spray and pray. Those were of a movie not bars theater. of soap. <laughs> they were not. But I do, I do like the term "dead as Dillinger." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but the brazenness of basically just whittling a bar of soap in the shape of a gun uh, and then using that to escape prison is better than Sean Connery in The Rock. It's a mm. uh, pretty pretty sweet. So that is the victory that I think victory should be named after. It's the yeah, reddish one, yeah. area yeah, for yeah. you know uh, for you know beer events, and um, he was a total badass. I did a book report on his life, and uh, yeah, the dude is a weird anti-hero for sure. Wait, wait, when did you do that book report? What grade? Uh, or was that college? Eighth, I think. Eighth. eighth grade. Yeah, that would probably get you expelled if you did that right now. Yeah, well, <laughs> these days, yeah, seriously. Apparently, his only homicide uh, charge was because uh, he never he didn't kill like he didn't go in guns blazing. He was a very thoughtful criminal, as weird as that is. Um, but apparently, like, he was wearing a bulletproof vest, and a cop shot him. Square in the chest and like knocked him down. And when he returned fire, he killed the cop who wasn't wearing a bulletproof vest. Hmm. Which is kind of well, it's self defense then. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah really. clearly, clearly. What did they That's crazy. Bull- Ten year crown, you know. Thirties. Like, uh, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, like I would imagine it would be a a stove uh, yeah, front uh, tied with twine. I'll back in the future part three. <laughs> Uh, yeah, get anyway, would Stan Your Grand work for that? I mean, because, like, okay, so when Zimmerman <laughs> went after Trayvon and he mm-hmm. started the fight, yeah. and so if Trayvon tries to defend himself, Zimmerman's allowed to shoot him according to their Stan Your Ground laws. Now, so if a cop is shooting you, can you stand your ground against a cop? Um, not in depression area. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how those floor. You know, it's all bullshit. <laughs> those laws are kind of crap. Mm-hmm. And by kind, I don't mean it kind at all. I mean, they really are. Um, well, speaking of crap laws, let's move on to a little beer news. Beer news. Beer and Mike's going to jump straight into national news. National news. All right. So a bill introduced by Tennessee to allow for underage, quote, drinking. Woo! All right. That's my one clickbait title for this episode. Uh, but it actually turns out the bill still prohibits drinking, but does allow for tasting for underage people. Hmm. So we have reported before <laughs> on the show Taste about... don't drink. Yeah. <laughs> About the dicey situations that pop up on college campuses that want to celebrate craft beer. 
what to do with the large amount of underage 18, 19, and 20-somethings? Well, a new bill being proposed by Tennessee Senator Bill Ketron would solve this by allowing those over 18 but still younger than 21 who want to participate in a beer-making college course to taste the beer as part of their studies but not allowed to swallow. <laughs> That's literally literally in the bill, yes. The, the bill would presumably, <sighs> presumably allow colleges to provide such classes uh, but avoid the legal hot water that would almost immediately befall them should underage students be allowed to participate. Uh, this uh, bill was brought on by the Middle Tennessee st- uh, State School. They petitioned the Senator Bill Bill Ketron to uh, propose it. Uh, basically, so as long as the student does not sneeze or cough and consume any beer, those participating would be free of from any wrongdoing in the eyes of the law. I mean, honestly, if Bill Clinton could smoke but not inhale, I mean, maybe he can work for Tennessee too. I like it. <laughs> so basically, yeah, it, it basically allows like if uh, a random like sort of like second tier college wants to put on like a beer making course and they don't want to try to like do uh, age restrictions to basically seniors, yeah. they're allowed to invite underage people in. So as long as the person in charge, uh, after like signing some forms, makes sure that they sort of like wine tasting, they swish it around, they get the taste of it, but they have to like spit it out. They cannot swallow it because God forbid, you know. They do that, and then all sorts of craziness ensues. But well, the class just turns into a raging orgy. Oh when, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, thirty-five hipster craft beer drinkers Satan. are there, yeah. and you know, it's just a beard on beard orgy fest of of hipster friction. It would be just totally wild. Dogs and, and cats living together. Yeah, yeah. mass hysteria. <laughs> mass hysteria. Yes. But I think that's kind of interesting that they are like actually proposing a bill that's like. Why? I mean, why can't eighteen-year-olds drink anyway? I mean, I've always long stood that if you're going to be able to be drafted at eighteen, yeah, that, that, or can join the military at eighteen, you can do whatever the hell you want. And that's my uh, impetus too. If we can yeah, ask, they you can to, try you as an adult. Yeah. Right. Well, if they can ask you to kill and be killed in the defense of your country, you should be able to have a beer mm-hmm. before and after doing so. But I, it's interesting that the the study of beer as a potential major. Um, does sort of make things difficult. So, like, mm-hmm. imagine if you graduated from high school, knew you wanted to be a, a brewer, uh, going to the Siebel's Institute would be that, pretty much true. I mean, impossible for you because you can't taste what you're doing. I guess, like, is is like you would have to wait till 21 to go to Siebel's. So, yeah, that's is kind of interesting, silly, yeah. weird. Our country's messed up. Yeah, lower the drinking age, raise the raise the driving age. That's what I say. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. huh. You know what? I'm not against that, especially because I already have my license, so screw those guys. Exactly. <laughs> once, once you have it, you're, and, you're free uh, to say. And our streets are a little crowded anyway, right? Yeah, set it to, how old am I? 32. Set it to 32. Anyone <laughs> under the age of 32 can't drive anymore. <laughs> and that increases every year until I'm dead. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you have news next? I do. Uh, so apparently, uh, scientists have found a compound in beer that may hinder degenerative cognition diseases. Awesome. <laughs> so, they they um, found 42 that create them, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so super friend of the show, Janine Maxwell, sent this one in. And uh, so it turns out that like there's been a lot of chemicals uh, identified in wine that have positive health effects. But uh, apparently the... Uh, ACS Journal of Agriculture and Food Chemistry is reporting that a compound found specifically in hops, which is why it's unique to beer, Uh, could protect brain cells from damage. So (laughs) while we all know, we all think of beer as killing brain cells en masse, it turns out that there's a compound in hops that could actually protect them. So, um, 
Yeah, I'm not going to pronounce this guy's first name. Uh, so, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Fang and colleagues note that mounting evidence suggests that oxidative damage to n- n- neuronal cells contribute to the development of diseases that originate in the brain. So, if scientists could find a way to guard these cells from that type of damage, they might be able to prevent or slow down Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, and other neurodegenerative conditions. So, apparently, this compound in hops called uh, xanthohumol uh, has gotten the attentions of researchers for its potential benefits, including including antioxidation, cardiovascular protection, and anti-cancer properties. So, this sounds like a magical drug uh, or magical compound that we should all be putting on our bodies 24-7 because... Um, Cardiovascular health, uh, anti-cancer, and anti-oxidation sounds wonderful. Mm-hmm. So apparently, this is a uh, pretty pretty preliminary, but uh, I, it looks like this uh, compound that comes from hops is going to be studied pretty further, um, as it it seems to have a correlation with uh, a- helping protect from these diseases, which is awesome news. Well, I think it sounds legit. I mean, no one has ever drank beer has ever died from any of those things. Never, never. I don't know a single <laughs> drunk that may have Alzheimer's in any way, shape, or form. No, but hey, if it's they slows, might act the like it, when they're they drinking. Yeah, they might have. The shakes, but they don't have all sides. Well, no, I think we should but, throw uh, this at the feet of AB InBev saying if we had had strong hoppy beers for yeah. the last 100 oh, years, you sons touche. of bitches, all right. that all of us <laughs> bearded craft beer hipsters may never die of these diseases because we've been drinking seven beers a day for our entire lives. <laughs> protecting Cirrhosis may kill us, but oh, God damn, it won't be Parkinson's disease. <laughs> we'll be very aware of our cirrhosis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll remember where we left our keys, but Damn, that's cirrhosis. <laughs> well, in 30 years, a liver transplant will be as common as, you know, just buying a new oh, car. Oh, they can regenerate They'll be growing. Yeah, they'll yeah, be growing yeah, yeah. livers in laboratories. And then, I'll drink uh, to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. It'll just be like, yep, I'm going to pay 30 grand to replace my liver, and I'll go back and drink it. <laughs> uh, Maybe you can get, like, a spare one put in, like, before your old one goes. <laughs> can I get a backup liver just in case? Yeah. Has, has anyone here seen Clonus? Clonus? No. Uh, or The Island starring... Um, uh, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, it's a gr- uh, Clonus is the superior film, but it's a terrible, terrible, terribly awesome B movie in which um, there are all of these uh, individuals who live in this little community that are docile sheep, mm-hmm. and uh, but they're literally being they're clones that are being raised to have their ar- uh, their organs harvested by. Uh, rich, famous people in America. And oh, so cool. they, they grew up in this little compound and then eventually they win the lottery to go to America, uh-huh. which means that they are um, killed and have their organs harvested. And then a guy finds out about it and escapes and they made a remake of it with, uh, I think, Jude Law and Scarlett Johansson. Uh, Michael Bay directed, so you know it's going to be terrible. Oh, God, yeah, Called The Island. Like, ooh, I, I know a movie I'm going to see now. <laughs> and to totally perv out for a moment... Um, not that not that it's not such a big deal now, but uh, at the time, there was a love scene between Jude Law and Scarlett Johansson, and Scarlett Johansson wanted to go topless for the scene, but Michael Bay, wanting to keep his goddamn PG-13 rain oh, rating, said, bitch. nope, we're not going to go that route. So her boobs were, were hidden away from the masses for several more years until, what, last year? Yeah, so that uh, much younger Rob was very angry about Michael that. Bay in the face. <laughs> exactly, right exactly. There. Yeah, I'm... Speechless. Yeah. No. We don't want to see her boobs. Perv rant over. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to take my top off now. No. <laughs> no. Not allowed. Not allowed. Oh, God. All right. It's another news article. Beer to be brewed with human feces. Oh, that's shitty. Yikes. <laughs> All right. So I lied about that whole clickbait thing. 
Although on a podcast, I don't know exactly what you'd call clickbait. <laughs> Listener bait. Hey Listener man, it goes bait, on yeah. the. Uh, Goes on the if, show you, notes, if you weren't so. listening before, you're listening now. Now, <laughs> this story has gone relatively viral, so you may have actually already heard about it. But apparently, there are some home and small scale brewers in Oregon that want to use the recycled water from the state's Forest Grove treatment plant to make beer. The problem holding them up uh, is that the water is gained from processing and cleaning human excrement. It turns out that the complicated process of cleaning the water does actually such a good job that it is more pure than the water coming out of the typical Oregonian's tap. It's basically reverse osmosis and ultraviolet light so much that it's completely like devoid of anything. They actually, if you're a brewer, you want to add minerals to it in order hmm. to get like a a decent amount of. Uh, not by pooping into it, Jesse. Okay. Not by pooping no. into it. No. <laughs> I'll add some minerals in it. <laughs> they actually have to put some yeah, fe- feces back into it. Uh, Dig with that authentic New Jersey taste. <laughs> and turbidity. And it's always a little cloudy and they're just like... Mm, we are never going to have listeners for New Jersey. <laughs> they tell me it's safe. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. But uh, since we all have our stigmas, uh, that recycled water that they want to use uh, cannot uh, be used yet because it has yet to be approved for consumption and can only actually be used for irrigation and wetlands. So apparently the poop, uh, we can use poop water for fish, but the humans, we're we're too good for that. Too good for our own poop. Yeah. So the Clean Water Services Agency of Oregon has gone ahead and filed filed a request to allow a portion of the water that they clean to uh, be used in brewing. A pure water brewing challenge is already in the works to demonstrate the ability of the water to be safely and deliciously used to create, <laughs> well, more of the same, basically. So basically, it's like any sort of like homebrew challenge that we have around here. But basically, the part of the challenge is that you have to use this cleaned water to produce beer. And a side note, basically, if you win this challenge, uh, you can actually have your beer given to uh, participants in the Water Environment Federation Technical Exhibition and Conference that's being held in Chicago later on this year. Uh, or ac- WEFTEC. Yeah, the acronym being WEFTEC, although I, I feel like they really missed out. They could like switch the F and the T and be WETFEC. I don't know. It, it's, it, I mean, you got to put WET in it if you're going to be at the water environment, blah, blah, blah. That's true. But anyway, yeah, it's um, so. I heard this actually on NPR like about two weeks ago, and it's yeah a, a big thing. Like I it, did see it, it on Facebook. It's extremely yeah. clean water. Like I said, cleaner than basically anything coming out of your tap. But the fact that like you know where it came from, you're just like yeah. Eh, if no it thanks. says DIPA, it's diarrhea. Yeah. IPA. It's <laughs> well, it, didn't I? Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna go off the cuff here without research, but was there not um, uh, an article? I saw. I swear to God, I saw an article about a guy who was caught on camera peeing into a local reservoir yes, full of it, water, which was in Oregon. Oregon. Action, yeah, yeah, and, they, and the and townsfolk were arguing that they needed to drain the reservoir because some dude peed in it. And it's like, do you realize that the fish and the yeah. birds and all manner, like, there's just nasty shit in there. It's not like that then goes right into your tap glass, you know, like into your water yeah. glass. It's that there's filtration and they get rid of that crap. Well, I think what they were arguing for that was that the water, it was actually, I think, a, a kid between like six and 10. He peed in like a reservoir of water that apparently was not due to be filtered. It was actually like drinking water set to be sent to taps. So that's why their, their argument was we have to drain it because it's not going to be clean again. Although... Technically, urine is also sterile, and also he peed into, like, it was something like 
two million gallons of water. Was, it, it was, was it a shit doors because if it was out exposed to the air, that is not clean water I, anymore. It, it, I did read this article and it didn't really explain why it was, but apparently the reason that it was somehow like he had access to it. It sounded like it was like an open air container, uh, but maybe it wasn't. But maybe he somehow got into it. But anyway, yeah, it was basically like his pee compared to the volume of water that he peed into was so small that it it virtually would not have affected anything. You wouldn't notice any sort of color or taste or anything. Uh, but I guess because it was not set to be purified in any means, it was like due to be drank. That's why they went ahead and drained the whole thing. But no, again, but again, stupid. it's not like, yeah, I mean, if he shit in it, I can see that. But if he, if he peed, it is technically sterile. And then you won't be able to see it. If I learned anything from, what was that movie with, uh, what's his face, 270 hours uh, with uh, the, the stoner guy? the Super Size Me? No, no. It's the one where like he's supposed to be like rock climbing somewhere in Utah oh, and he slips and falls yeah. oh, and gets his arm uh, caught. What, 164 hours or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. The whole scene where like where he like has the pee and yeah, he's, pee. he's like it tastes like piss. Like, well, yeah, perhaps yeah. the issue is that uh, the people were just the people of Oregon are, are strong believers in homeopathy, whereas the the more diluted a substance becomes in water, the more powerful it becomes. So they were worried that the what five, the fuck? How's that work? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it is a very 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 popular pseudoscience that people who are morons believe. Um, in fact. Uh, <laughs> Uh, as logic is diluted, it makes more sense. <laughs> oh no, seriously. Uh, so Mitch, there's a, a comedy, there's a British sketch comedy show called Mitchell and Webb by uh, Rob Webb and David Mitchell, uh, who are hilarious. They if they're uh, stars of Peep Show, which is a brilliantly hilarious show that you guys should watch. But uh, they have a skit in there called uh, uh, Homeopathic Doctors, and so they they have like a woman co- or a guy come in. He's having like a heart attack, so they prescribe like. Well, we need to get him like uh, mood crystals to put on and like rearrange his chakras and stuff. And so, obviously, inevitably, this guy dies because they're terrible doctors and they're not using any actual <laughs> science or medicine to help this guy. So then, afterwards, they go to the bar and they and they walk up and the guy says to the bartender, uh, "I have a home- uh, homeopathic lager." And the guy fills up an entire pint glass with the water and then drops in one drop of beer and then. Uh, David Mitchell drinks it and goes, ah, that's the powerful, powerful stuff. <laughs> and it's just like, that's the wow. point, is that you wouldn't have, like, you know it doesn't work because if you put a drop of, like, grape juice into a giant five-gallon thing of water, you don't taste stronger grape juice, it dilutes it, and that's exactly what happens. But, yeah, homeop- homeopathy is stupid. Yeah, it is. Because, like, one thing I was reading, like, uh, we got a book on elements. Mm. Uh, for Christmas, and I was reading about like radioactive elements, and I, one thing I learned was that bananas are actually radioactive. Hmm. Oh shit! Uh, because of the potassium in them, like we all know, bana- oh, bananas yeah, have yeah, potassium, yeah. so it's be good for you. But uh, potassium decays, or at least some of the potassium in the bananas. So it's very mildly. So yeah, but there was one fact, and I'm, I'll have to look it up. It's that like bananas are actually more radioactive than something that you would assume is like ten times more radioactive. Really? Than, yeah. And you're just like, oh, I had no idea that bananas could possibly kill me. I eat like um, a banana a day. So there's a really great documentary um, that I believe was streaming on either Netflix or like free to watch on YouTube called How Beer Saved the World. Mm. And one of the segments in there is they talked about how or why people drank beer like crazy during the Middle Ages. And it was because they realized that due to um, <clears throat> the development of cities uh, that uh, urban living tainted water supplies very easily. 
which is why they think the you know the Black Death was such a the bubonic plague was spread because they'd taint like a water supply with it, and then everyone would get you know everyone in town would get sick from it because they're drinking the water. So what they did is they took really nasty pond water from a local pond that had like ducks in it and they viewed it under a microscope and there was all manner of like gross stuff in there dangerous germs um you know duck feces you know all sorts of manner of crap then they brewed with it and when it came out the other end they realized that all of the things that would normally kill you were basically either um were either ki- were killed during the boil um, and then were kind of naturally filtered out by the brewing process so that the beer that you ended up with was significantly, uh, well, it was almost perfectly healthy compared to uh, the water that it had started with. So in this particular case, it's even better because even if this water happened to be tainted in any way, shape, or form, the brewing process itself would only make it better. So even if you would be like, oh, I'm skeezed out about just drinking this straight out of the tap, if you take it and brew it, It'll actually be even safer, which makes sense when you think about it, because you're going to sterilize all the equipment they're going to use. You boil your wort for an extremely long period of time to make it inhospitable. And then when you actually have the wort and you're fermenting, the only thing that really survives is the yeast that is eating up your uh, complex sugars to turning them into, into alcohol. And that is an environment that is specifically designed to be successful for them. So anything else is a really hard time competing because you have this overabundance of yeast. So even so, I would say, even if they didn't filter it to being perfectly clean water, brewing it actually would not be that un- that bad. And that was the documentary, uh, How Beer Saved the World, which uh, well, is pretty great. Why do you even have to filter the shit out of the water like from Oregon? Why not just go with the shitty water? Well, if you're going to turn it in the beer and have everyone in town drink beer all the time, absolutely. Why, why filter it at all? Well, I mean, if, I mean I'm mean, i saying if, as in like they, they were going to get the water after it's been filtered of mm. this shit. Well, they, they sound like they don't need to filter the shit. They, they may not scientifically. They may have to as a PR thing where I can't imagine that even the Victory Brewing Company, who we are applauding tonight, if... if uh, fans of them found out that they were using unfiltered shit water, I'm pretty sure that their beer sales would drop dramatically. (laughs) (laughs) Unfiltered shit water. (laughs) Uh, There would not be a lot of goodness coming out of that that sales pitch right there. I feel like Budweiser could put that on their cans and that fancy scroll that they do. (laughs) Premium unfiltered shit water. We'll get there. We have one more news item first. (laughs) So I'm going to keep it uh, real brief. The uh, American Homebrew Association's Homebrewers Conference 2015 registration is to begin. So if you are a member of the American Homebrew Association, uh, currently uh-huh. 21 years or older, the Take uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, So if your membership is current and you're over 21 years old, uh, you can register uh, starting very soon to go to their uh, Brewers Conference in San Diego, June 11th through 13th. And uh, I have to imagine not having... I haven't been there, but I have to imagine it's freaking awesome yeah. because you're going to go and see how homebrewers from around the world uh, get together to basically uh, trade trade secrets, trade recipes, just drink each other's shit and have a, a grand old time. So uh, let's see what the fees are. So uh, full conference registration is a whopping $220 per person, which is actually not that bad for a conference. Um, I go to a developer's conference for a um, GIS developer thing, and it's like almost two grand. So $220 is not bad for a couple of days. So that's pretty sweet. 
So if you guys are interested in that, you should definitely sign up now. Um, by the time this episode comes out, I believe that the registration will be open, and I'm sure spots fill up pretty damn quickly. So that's cool. I would love to go to that, except the airfare is pretty fucking expensive. Mm. Can't. Believe, I should like live in, in California because all this stuff is within driving yeah, why distance. Why is it happening in California? Well, because isn't that where you want a vacation if you're going to go into conference, right? That's, yeah. I well, June, Lancaster would be pretty pretty nice in June. I'm just saying, Philadelphia yeah. would be pretty nice in June. Maybe not February, but you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're uh, when you're going on a conference, you're like, oh, let's go to California. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> So Mike was calling out AB InBev, which will transition us to our next segment, Point Counterpoint, AB InBev Douchiness Edition. <laughs> so anyone who's even remotely in, enjoys beer saw the internet dust up as a reaction to Budweiser's offensive as in they were playing offense. Super Bowl ad- advertisement. Um, I don't know if I can actually say Super Bowl in the right. It's like a copyrighted term. So it's Superb Owl, if anyone asks. Yeah, Superb Owl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, if anyone asks, I said Superb Owl really quickly. Uh, so they were suggesting that the king of beers is made to be shotgun quickly at ice-cold temperatures <laughs> by real American men rather than actually enjoyed by beer-loving hipsters who want to take the time to enjoy the subtler notes of the $6 pint they purchased. Well, the commercial hit the airwaves and the internet collectively lost its shit. Uh, far too many bloggers discussed the hypocrisy and idiocy of Budweiser's ad, and we are here to help pile on. Because <laughs> who doesn't love to kick the king when yeah. he acts like a goddamn fool? So, gentlemen, let's discuss. So, first, has everyone seen the ad? Oh, Christ. Yep. That's a yes. Okay, good. I had the stomach flu, and I was half out of it, but I still remember thinking, what the fuck are they doing when I saw uh, the article uh, First two seconds in, I go, ooh, shots fired, yeah, yeah, yeah. because it was remarkably, uh, yeah, it was just like, fuck you hipsters who yeah, like beer. Yeah, didn't they show a guy with a beard or something? Oh, with a tulip glass, yeah. smelling yeah. his beer real up close and stuff, and I'm like, oh, I, I apologize deeply for enjoying all the visceral senses I can get out of a beer. Um, you're not. You're clearly not supposed to enjoy their beer. Well, don't smell a bud before you drink it, if you are drinking one, because yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to ruin that taste for you. Well, it was interesting because uh, it was interesting in a lot of ways, but I thought it was uh, particularly awesome that they called out saying that we don't real beer drinkers don't have to give a shit about like what's how the beer is crafted or what it is. And then they immediately go, we're the oldest brewery to use Beechwood aging. And I'm like, what? That's exactly the thing that you were just calling out not a sentence ago. Um, so what are you trying to say that we make beer that's got a beautiful woody taste to it when you were just arguing that you shouldn't appreciate a beer for those quality qualities? Yeah, and I think it was it was like a that same week that they bought a Legion. Yes, yeah. yeah so the, the fact before. that they're like collecting all these like small scale breweries and then like going about face and like trying to shit all over them. It's like which message are they trying to send here? Well, and it was hilarious because they bought a Legion um, and they didn't actually the. The employees of Elysian, other than upper management, or the owners, did not realize that it had been purchased until Budweiser announced it on Twitter. And so these people did not realize that they were being bought out until after they were bought out, which is pretty bad. But the Budweiser commercial actually calls out saying, you know, we don't brew pumpkin peach Blah, blah, blah. And it turns out that Elysian makes a pumpkin peach beer. <laughs> and so it's like you just <laughs> bought a brewery that makes the very beer that you were mocking. 
Uh, and how does that make you look for people who are actually in the know about this shit? That you look like a goddamn dumbass for being like, we that's for pretentious douchebags. By the way, pretentious douchebags, if you want to buy our beer, please, please our, do, our new yeah. property is illusion. You should totally get on that. <laughs> yeah, well, so- you know the ad isn't meant for us. I mean, they know they're not going to convert us to drink Budweiser. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is for the people who are already drinking Budweiser so that they can feel like, oh, yes, yeah, so I'm going to keep drinking Budweiser because fuck those guys. And, uh, oh, look at that. It is Beechwood, whatever the hell. And, you know, so it's, uh, they're just giving excuses to the people who already drink it. They're trying not to lose more market. Right. So, well, is that what they're trying to do? They're trying to actually, like, really make the market, like, two sides and then just playing both sides by buying small breweries. Well, I think. I think yeah, there's... Yeah, yeah. I think, it's, I think that's what it is. The, the biggest growing segment right now are the people who are leaving the mass market stuff but aren't necessarily uh, either educated or particularly care about beer that's authentically craft beer so there's uh like a whole slew of people who are happy to drink blue moon not realizing that that's not actually craft beer that it's obviously brewed by a large brewery or oh my god i totally love like woodchuck even though fucking st adams is huge as shit uh and it's like well you could go with any number of ciders that are popping up in the market or whatever so i think uh what budweiser is just trying to do is um to have their cake and eat it too in the in the sense that they want to be able to say we are what beer should be and you should appreciate this but then we're also going to buy up a ton of the competition so even when you're buying authentic craft beer you're buying from us so we get the profit out of it as well which is sort of shitty and underhanded yes. and they actually uh got so much flack from this that one of the marketing executives actually um, apologized and said that they weren't trying to offend craft beer drinkers. They they were just trying yeah, to... They tried to backpedal a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they definitely tried to backpedal. But, I mean, at that point, yeah, whatever the alternative of preaching to the choir is, like pissing off the people outside, I don't know what the meta- the anti-metaphor would be for that. <laughs> this is what they were doing. I mean, they knew who they were advertising to, and Jesse's right. It was to the Bud Loyalist to make them feel better while all of these other guys are... Um, around them being more involved in in enjoying beer that they were trying to give them a little ammo to say no you should feel good that you like the beer that you like which is our product because you know that's real beer and what these other people are obsessing over isn't real beer even though that's totally not in any way shape or form accurate so maybe buying up these uh smaller craft beers are less playing both sides and more just hedging their bets i would imagine they, they're still like, they want you to drink Bud, but if you're not going to, maybe drink something that's popular. Like, I mean, what we said about Legion being what, like 30% of the market share versus the normal 10% that craft breweries have right. in that particular area. So. Well, and what amazes me is I'm surprised, like, Budweiser's attempted to do Budweiser beers that seemed like they were to attempt to do like craft beer stuff so you had like the Budweiser Select that was a huge flop yeah batch 19 you had a number of these beers that seemed to be trying to hit that craft beer market but were just ridiculously horrible horribly executed and i'm wondering like my thought process is, is Budweiser you have the energy you have the the capital you have the equipment and you have the talent on staff to compete head to head with craft beer but for whatever reason, you're afraid about like diluting or or destroying your own brand when yeah. it's not the beer itself that's important. It's the brand. Who cares if you made Bud Light Lime and it was fucking delicious, like actually good? Who cares if the Bud Light Loyalists don't drink it anymore? Because fucking the people who you were worried about stealing all your market share will drink it. I would drink Budweiser if it was good. Like my complaint isn't that AB InBev on it. My complaint is that it's not good. I don't know. I mean, from their per- point of view... 
if 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 Budweiser, okay, so they have the normal Budweiser beer that someone, you know, Joe Schmo was drinking and likes, and then they have um, whatever a new type like a Budweiser Premium, right? And it's really good, like in our standards, right? Mm -hmm. But then Joe Schmo tries and is like, oh, this is crap beer. You know, maybe you'll go to Miller then or something. Maybe you'll go to one of these other ones that aren't trying. It's like, well, this is a stable brand. I know this brand. Mm. Like maybe this guy now sees this brand as being, you know, unfaithful to him. I mean, I can see why Budweiser is going for their own beer. I'm sure they make way, way more profit from Budweiser than they would from any of their small breweries they've bought up in the meantime. Um, And, you know, it it just seems they're trying to keep that, that market. There's some interesting like psychological effects that these like large corporations have like about marketing yeah. and what their brand means to them or what they think it means to the average person. Like yeah. they have down to a T like who drinks our beer? Why do they drink our beer? And so they almost feel like I guess they can't deviate from that at all because they'll just lose. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Remember when I was working for that band Funky Fontana? Yeah. I do recall that. Yes. Yeah. I would have meetings with the guy who owned it was a marketing guy. And it was some, it was, he had it down. Like he was like, this is what he looks like. The listener. And yeah. it was true. There was only one listener. there. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> There's the one guy out there. Yeah. That's, but I guess, uh, my... but yeah, yeah. It was like the guy, he's like, this is who we are listening to. This is this type of music. This is what he wears. This type of shoes. Like he was, he had yeah. the demographic down. Like we couldn't deviate from that. We couldn't be everything to everybody he would kept saying it's like well can we just be something more than just to that one guy yeah right and well that's i guess that's my sort of thought is that if you're not starting to notice that like nfl guys who who are who are going to games and tailgating and if they're going away from drinking bud light before the game and drinking more sam adams then maybe that means that you have to have something that you can still have budweiser and bud light and you can have sponsorship deals with all the fucking stadiums to have your beer in there but maybe you should have a Budweiser Select or Budweiser Super Awesome that actually tastes more like a legitimate beer and tastes less like shit that you can even charge for a higher markup and you'll still have your stalwarts but who are you really pissing off by saying we're bridging the gap we're trying to make yeah. a decent beer oh, well, as well then maybe, maybe then it also then points out then like kind of by the way our regular thing that you all are drinking anyway is is actually shit no, yeah. because then it, they have to admit then if they're going to make like a Budweiser like premium or a select or whatever like that that does mean then the Budweiser standard yeah. is is <laughs> shit and they accept that Introducing Budweiser legit. We're, <laughs> we're done fucking around. <laughs> Seriously. Well, I kind of feel like it's like, like you know, and Mike is probably the only person I know on the planet who at any point owned a Zune. But I feel like the Zunes were actually really good products. Microsoft just didn't know how to like like market them. Nope. In a lot of ways, especially when they first were released, they kind of were better devices than the iPods at the time. But Apple had made the iPod such a status symbol of like, wealth and success that you if you were if you could afford an ipod you were cool i remember mm-hmm. even those alternative mp3 players like oh when yeah they came out there were like so many of them they would they had like yeah. four or five times the capacity and it's like and they seem so much more functional but i remember i was working at yeah. like circuit city that summer yeah um and it's like this one is so much cheaper and it's so has so much more you know memory and you can fit so many more songs and like no i want the like yep. yeah, the small iPod. ipod that's way way more expensive like you're an idiot because I want to look cool. Mm. And so I feel like Budweiser has this, like, all of this capital of, like, market brand share. And they're really just squandering it on piss water. And I feel like th- an older generation is going to eventually die off. And then they're, they, they're, the new generation is not really interested in drinking beer that tastes like crap. Because there is such a, uh, an abundance of choice of good beer that they should adjust. And maybe it's buying up all these breweries so that everybody's part of the evil empire, even though you don't realize it. 
but I feel like there's an opportunity for them to actually make good beer. You, you can't tell me that they can't make good beer. I mean, they have talented people on staff. Yeah. They, they have pl- more resources they than anybody. Smart people, they can make good beer, but apparently there's just no will and management to do that. And I feel like Budweiser could come out of the gate with an amazing beer that would just be like, oh, overnight, boom, there's Budweiser blank that is just really good that's just blowing everyone out of the water and it's just like national that they could buy up the 18 different hops that Hattie Topper's using and just yeah. blow them out of the water with their own beer and be like look boom be crazy. Budweiser IPA Budweiser dip up bring yeah. it on man bring it uh, and that could just be the marketing it'd just be like boom bring it and that's it and the whole craft beer market would have to be like whoa because how do you how do you Compete with that uh, economic scale, man. You just can't. Yeah, I was gonna say, like the amount of hops to make, like for Budweiser to make a double IPA on the scale that they make with their normal beers. Ooh. Well, they would, and I'm saying like they don't have to go for like a national campaign. They could even do regional. Like we're just gonna brew X barrels. It'll be a limited release, and it's just gonna be this region and dial into something that would have yeah, I mean, national I mean, appeal. You see, like McDonald's doing that. Like they have lots of regional specialties um, depending on where they're at. Like they have the lobster roll up in the north, far northeast. Oh yeah, yeah. They have crab a cake sandwich and like uh, burritos in uh, McDonald's. A Mc- Mc- lobster Mc- roll. Yeah. yeah. What a McRoll? I. I I don't know, but yeah, I mean, Coca Cola changes the recipe country to country, region to region. Yeah. Oh, do they? I oh yeah, that. oh yeah, because uh, we love sugar, but um, you know, Europeans really love sweets to be sweet. They don't huh. eat them as often as we do, but like um, British chocolate, for especially, is like yeah. boom, super sweet. So um, yeah, they're crazy. So yeah, if you go, uh, if you ever go to Atlanta, you can go to the the Coca Cola headquarters, yeah. and there's like a sampling room where they have. Here's what the Malaysian Coca-Cola tastes like. Here's what the Indian Coca-Cola tastes like. This is what the Chinese Coca-Cola tastes like. Wow. And it's really fascinating to see that there's a huge difference. That's one of the beautiful taste. things about Coca-Cola, at least I thought, was that it was the same wherever you go. No, not true at all. Oh, man. Well, considering I've never had one in my life. Um, Wait, uh, Jesse's phobia bubbles. Ever? The bubbles, they do everything. I'm just going to buy you the syrup. You can do that. <laughs> buy a That's true. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Inject it into... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to get some water. coca leaves and make you an original version. <laughs> <laughs> that Jesse will be addicted. Because <laughs> <laughs> It'll be better than coffee, I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the, the real symbolic, the, sim, the symbolic uh, victory for craft beer here is that for the longest time, one of the rules of marketing was never acknowledge your enemy. Mm. So Coca-Cola never really advertises, like Coca-Cola rarely advertises and says, we're better than Pepsi. Mm -hmm. Because by acknowledging that Pepsi even exists, they acknowledge that they have competition. Or instead of they just have a bunch of cute polar bears drinking Coke, it's like, no, they're so beneath us, we don't even have to mention them. And in a lot of ways, that had been Budweiser advertising for fucking ever. It's Mm. just, nope, we're the taste of America. You know, our beer is for everybody. Drink Budweiser. And this is the first time they come out and they've been like, no, fuck those guys. We need to intentionally piss on them to make ourselves better. And that, in many ways, is a really telling indictment that they're worried. And they're actually really worried about their product. It's a very good point. They're feeling the heat. They are. And uh, if you look at the numbers, craft beers up, up, up. And mass market brews are down, down, down to the point where Molson might not exist, you know, in two years. And... Um, you know, Miller Coors and AB InBev may merge to be one monstrosity because that's the only way it makes sense for them to exist. So the Pepsi challenge, though, that mem- that, would, that 
purposely brought up Pepsi and Coke in the same breath. But it was Pepsi. That was, was Pepsi. Pepsi. Okay, so and did they Pepsi had to... lose because of that? Actually? No. Well, when you're in second place, it's great to piss on the first competition. Oh, because okay. You have so, nothing to lose. So was Pepsi in second place to Coke? Yes. Oh, yeah. Pepsi oh. has always been in second place. Oh, okay. It's Pepsi, Coke, and then it was um, Snapple, I guess, is the third company. Yeah, Cadbury, Schweppes, or whatever. Would, I think, I think I've had Snapple, a Snapple. Yeah. And Pepsi was doing a great job because Pepsi realized that if you have a sip or two of Pepsi, that on average people think that's better. But for the lifespan of the entire can, um, Coca-Cola does better. And so it was a really interesting thing where um, Pepsi did the Pepsi challenge and people would have like two sips or a sip of Pepsi versus Coke. And they go, oh, Pepsi's great. And everyone was choosing Pepsi. So Coke freaked out and they changed their recipe and came out with new Coke. And then all these Coke fans were like, well, no, we don't want to just have two sips and throw the rest away. We want to drink an entire can. That's what we get Coke for. And Coke is the best thing ever if you're going to drink an entire can of it, uh, which is why it's the number one drink in America. And so what ended up happening is New Coke just like tanked horribly. And then they came out with classic Coke, which was Coke. And now nobody at (laughs) Coca-Cola ever talks about New Coke because it was such a disaster. But it was all because a taste test is different for just a sampling versus an entire thing that you can have a be- for in beers like the same way you can have a sip of a beer fresh off the tap and go my god that's amazing but drinking an entire pint of it by the time mm-hmm. you get to the bottom like get warmer definitely been you know there. and you can be like eh, this isn't quite as good warm as it was cold huh so i might take a sip of budweiser and think it's good are you saying uh, maybe i mean th- there are bottom enough, limits like, yeah. to how well that works <laughs> let me tell you I, I would never fail the Bud Light challenge because yeah. the moment that thing hits my stomach, I'm just like, well, I might vomit. So that's Bud Light. Just go there. I was just saying, like, they always like try to make it cold enough so like you have have a sip and it like you know numbs, numbs your, your taste buds to the point where you're like, well, I didn't really taste anything. That's not too bad. I'm <laughs> drinking alcoholic water right now, and thank God for that. Get a brain freeze from your beer. <laughs> they they may actually prefer that to be the modus operandi when drinking their beer. Yikes. Well, we've talked enough about AB and Bev and how shitty they are. And so we're going to move on to a little beer versus beer. Mike and Rob select the finest beer to pit in single combat for champion beer. Two beers enter, one beer leaves. Mike and I have spent many a conversation pondering whether Trug's Brewing Company or Victory is our local mid-sized brewing favorite. Uh, mid-sized is a relative term, but mid-sized to our region anyway. The answer certainly depends on who has released what when. While Trogues is certainly killing it, uh, recently Victory has, I venture, dethroned them as champion favorite after the delicious release of both Hop Ranch and especially Dirt Wolf. Um, but... We've raved about these beers enough in the past, and we wanted to sample something that's um, older to Victory, but new to the show. So Mike and I selected favorites of ours from Victory Brewing Company. So Mike, I think in deference to style, maybe, I don't know who should go first. I think you went first last time, so if we go by that, I should go first, but you have, yeah, let me, mm, yeah, let me go first. Okay, I don't know who's going to affect what flavor, so. Since yours is smoked. I'll go first. All right, let me grab it. Sure. Uh, I'm a little jealous of the 
female porky pig. What the hell is the female porky yeah, pig? Petunia. Pig? Petunia, pig. petunia pig. Ah, I did not remember petunia. Yeah. This is a vintage glass too. Pepsi glass from '73. My mom still has like the Schmucker's uh, jelly. Mm. Mm-hmm. Dinosaurs and whatnot. I have a couple of those. Well, the uh, like Bugs Bunny jelly glasses from way back I've, when. We also have some Mickey D's collector Ooh. glasses. Back when collector glasses from Mickey D's used to be glass and not just plastic. Yeah, right. So, Mike, um, I have an opener. If you do not, excellent. All right, and why don't you tell us a little bit about your beer? So, I've decided to go with Victory Storm King. I'm not going to Storm King you guys because I'm actually going to share this with you. <laughs> So the beer notes, it actually overall on rate beer gets 100, uh, 97 for style. It is a rather high something burning. Uh, it looks like the candle burned out. Oh, okay. For all of our Just listeners, sure. I light some romantic candling here. Or candling? Jesse's, That's not a word. Jesse sets the mood. <laughs> yeah, he, he I set the mood right up. for us. You know, it, it's got to be comfortable. Yeah. All right. So serve in a snifter, but we'll do what we can. Uh, it is uh, <laughs> Imperial Stout, and it is rather high. It's 9.1%. It's a very... Thick, viscous stout, uh, heavy in the coffee notes, maybe a little bit of chocolate there too, uh, but it's it's fairly common, but it still has a good following, this uh, uh, Storm King. So I don't have any of the crazy oaked version, but I had the regular, and I think it's quite delicious. 9.1%, I'll give you that. All right. So much to no one's surprise, there is... Victory Storm Drop Ice Cream, which uses the, uh, I think the, just the wart from Storm King mm-hmm. and uh, chocolate drops to develop a rich flavor in this all-natural ice cream. All right. I don't have much to say about it. What's it say on the bottle? Uh, let's see. Emerging from the deepest shades of darkness, a rolling crescendo of flavors bursts forth from this robust stout. The thundering hoppy appeal of Storm King subsides into a mellow subtleties of roasted malt exhibiting an espresso-like depth of character in its mm. finish. That's a beautiful sentence just in the word usage. This, like, is, yeah. this, this beer is dark. I mean, it is black as night. Yeah, but it, it describes the, the experience. It does. There's maybe a little bit of a deep it, burnt sienic color in there. It's, it smells like a very syrupy flavor, just sweet and... Yeah, molasses. Roasted malt and a little bit of, well, just malty in general. It's a very lovely smell. Yeah, dark I'm, beer. The head is fairly dark. Yeah. I'm like an amaretto color. Vanilla ice cream with this, like instantaneously. Oh, yeah. My God. It's not actually super heavy on the mouthfeel. I mean, Mm-mm. it's definitely fuller than a lot of beers, but it, it's not as, from judging from the smell, it's not as thick as I thought it's it would be. A little alcohol burn. Is this a, a Russian bit. Imperial? It, I think it's just Imperial. Just Imperial? Okay. Uh, they kept the communists out of it. It's it's very tasty. So if it's even more Russian, is it what is it, North Korean then? Is it Russian, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it, a Putin stout versus it, a... Oh a Stalin stout? A Stalin stout, yeah. These are, these are the distinctions call between. Olga. Yeah. Olga. She'll say both yeah. those styles are amazing. And we, yeah, should, we should worship them as heroes. But uh, I heard someone pronounce his name Putin the other Putin, day. Yeah, it's like, like a newscaster. Yeah. What is he like? A, the... Canadian treat of <laughs> fried, fried cheese curds. Yeah, whatever it is. Delicious. It is a little alcoholic, actually. Like, a lot of these reviews I was reading, they say, no, no, there's no alcohol taste at all. And it's like, well, actually, a little bit. Yeah. There's definitely that. There's uh, a, definitely a, a burnt malt flavor as well as the smell. Um, yeah, definitely a more more of a charred flavor than most I'm used to. Most stouts are getting better on their smoothness, but Storm King's definitely a little 
not like a little a little rough. It so is. if you like that, like that to your beers. It's definitely a hearty beer. Um, I, there is a bit of a sweetness in there, which takes the edge off nicely. Almost like a chocolatey flavor um, that that helps balance it out a little bit. But you're definitely gonna you're gonna taste smoky roastness in there as one of the primary flavors. Smoky roastness, roastness, definitely a lot of coffee, like a very a dark like French roast. Um, kind of a little, little meaty, a little bit, I'd say. Kind of reminds me of a steak a little bit. Not as much chocolate though. Like they're sweet, but it's definitely more bittersweet, like dark chocolate than a, yeah. like a, any sort of milk chocolate. I really want to combine like a Hershey's bar with this as a chocolate nice, and beer yeah. pairing. I feel like we should just. Well, you used to have like a stockpile of chocolate every time you came over. <laughs> I did, I did. <laughs> well, that was for my uh, my birthday. My mom bought me uh, yeah. a chocolate bar for every year. What happened to one? Well, for I, a while there, every recording, I was getting a free chocolate bar for yeah, it. Yeah, really? Yeah, <laughs> it was well, animal. Actually, uh, I just, uh, my mom, for whatever reason, made me a whole banana cake. So I took that to oh, school and oh my. my students got banana cake. Careful, it's radioactive. Yeah, <laughs> well. <laughs> and it was, it, it, you can't feed these kids. Like, uh, like I try to like, oh, here's some banana cake. They're like, no, I don't want any. But then if you take it, like, oh, no, Rob, have one. And I put it in front of him. He's like, okay. And it's like, oh, this is good. You should have just. That's because it's the college years. That's when you have to be like the most physically attractive in order to, you know, compete with all the 30,000 other attractive people of your age. Yeah, really. Once you're an adult, man, like a... you can just let it go because there's like four single people in your area. So they, they don't have a choice but to like you. <laughs> oh, what, is that what is why? it about college? I feel like it is more like an unfair grounds. Than oh, totally, yeah. totally. Um, I did not realize that until after graduation that that was a uh, particular place in order to meet women. I was more busy in front of my computer playing video games than uh, potentially paying attention to women. But uh, yeah, I feel like once you're out in the professional world, you know, if you aren't already married uh, as a dude, your stock just gets better with age. Whereas, uh, you know, in, in high school slash college, you really got to be on your game to be, you know, well, there peaking. Was- my, my and with with those chocolate bars, my mother also made me trays of brownies. I don't know if I told you guys the story, but then the one your the, mom sounds amazing. By yeah, the way, yeah, she, she loves to cook like this stuff. So uh, for uh, I, br- I brought a tray of the brownies in then to my music theory class, and they came in. It was like ten or eleven o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, "Here's some brownies," and no one wanted a brownie. It was like, "You got the right answer. Here's a brownie," and they're like, "I don't want a brownie." And then finally, it was this Eric. Who the hell said I, they didn't want a brownie? I know this kid. I, I accidentally said his name. Maybe anyone knows. But um, uh, he was sitting in the back, and I was like, "You got a brownie? Come on, you got you know, you got the right answer." And he got up, and it was like, and then I saw him grab the whole tray. I'm like, "Oh, you're gonna give him out to everybody?" Yeah. No, he didn't. <laughs> he sat back down in the back of the room and just went through them all. <laughs> he ate through all the brownies. Wow. I was like, "Are you gonna go to like a diabetic shock back there? <laughs> so what's gonna go on?" Yeah, Jesus Christ. James yeah. has changed his ways, but it used to be that if there were like cookie cake or, or something like oh, that he at the was party, one of those bastards he that would, would just, just like just sit there and be like, mm, good, I'll have one more. Just just one more. And then the whole plate would be gone and everyone else would be like, where did all the fucking brownies go? Oh, no. <laughs> but he's, he's gotten much better in later years, but that used to be his role. It's pretty crazy. So yeah, Storm King's awesome. It is actually aptly named for the... the I got a good beer and I drank it without you. Yeah, uh, I feel like next party we have, I should get like a, a keg of this because I feel like this is a beer that would get you oh. pretty messed up. Uh, yes, yeah. maybe some crazy shenanigans at that party. I'm trying to remember which party we have, but we did get like Golden Monkey in a keg once. Oh God, that <laughs> would have been a fucking. You've disaster. seen me on Golden Monkey before. I have. I've seen you on that and V12, and you are a fan of. You've drove driven me home on. <laughs> 
Hope you got a big trunk because I've got to fit my bike in it. <laughs> so uh, Mike went with something old. I'm going with something new. Jesse's going with something borrowed. And blah, blah, blah is going with something blue. <laughs> something <Cute>. blue, yeah. <laughs> um, I went with Earth in Flame, which is a Wii Heavy from Victory. Uh, it's fairly new. Um, they've been hyping it quite a bit lately. Um, so the, uh, the description is that Earth and Flame was forged from the friendship of Victory Brewing Company and Earth and Bread Brewery. Uh, with our shared passion for dark, flavorful ales, we saw a great opportunity to collaborate on a Scotch-style ale. Savor the rich flavors that emerge from the dark depths of this limited edition brew with hints of sweet winter desserts and dark fruits, peat smoked malts, and fine bourbon barrel aging smooth the intensity of this complex ale. So it's made with Pilsner, Pale Chocolate, Cara, and peated malts. It is brewed with uh, Brambling Cross and uh, Styrian Goldings hops, which are varieties I've not been very familiar with. Bram- uh, wait, Brambling's Cross? Brambling Cross. Whoa. Yeah. I've heard of Styrian Goldings, but... Uh, Brambling Cross is new to me for sure. Um, uh, the ABV comes in at a very, very mild and low 11.7% ABV. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. And uh, the flavor description is one enjoyed fresh, distinct aromas of bourbon, oak, and vanilla mm. dominate, mellowing as this flavorful ale ages, revealing nice. a deep malt complexity. Well, I'm really excited because I had no idea this is actually a collaboration with Earth Red and Brewery. If there's one brewery I want to visit, it's that one. Uh, they're sort of an out of the way. They're like Philadelphia, but like super like north and north east, uh, west Philadelphia. So they're not really easy to get to. They're not on any train line, but I'll get there one of these days. And until then, I will sample this beer and enjoy it. I'm sure. Brambling Cross. Gotta get the, sounds the like audio very, gold. Sounds like a very British hop. Brambling Cross. Brambling Cross. <laughs> So I did briefly sample this oh, last you. night while at the fridge. Good. Dude, I'm drinking 11.7% all by myself. Ooh, smells like bourbon. Damn. Like, it doesn't have that, like, hitching-in-the-face alcohol that uh, bourbon does, but it has that exact smell. Yeah, it does. Good on them for recreating that. Ooh. <laughs> More for the host. So my girlfriend is all of, uh, at best, 5'2". two. Uh, <laughs> generously five two, yeah. slightly over <laughs> <our> hundred, <laughs> slightly over a hundred pounds in weight, and uh, we were at the fridge last night. So I go up and get the sessionable four point one percent ABV beer. Oh, what are you drinking? I'm having the eleven point seven percent. We heavy. Oh, okay. We're gonna have that sort of evening, are we? <laughs> Before eating anything, she's like, "Yep, I'm drinking the earthen flame. No big whoop." Oh, that's a very interesting smell. Delicious. It is very figgy. Yeah. Much, much sweeter nose. Well, I don't notice the alcohol. Uh, the color. I took a few steps and it's still dark, but it's a dark brown with a little bit of red. Much. Wow. It's less black. Um, the head is is again it's not like, quite chocolatey, but close. It's not. The taste isn't quite as complex as I was hoping for, but it still is very like delicious, bourbony caramel. Mm. But without that burn. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just finishes so clean. It's like, wow. It's this is dangerous. Dangerously drinkable, yes. This is mm-hmm. dangerous. <laughs> is there's a lot of vanilla. I get, definitely agree with that. Yeah, a lot of bourbon. Wow. Well, it's a good balance of bourbon. So many times like the bourbon barrel aged stuff is just like 
boom, bourbon, and then it's like, oh, yeah, there's a little beer here on the tail end. Mm -hmm. This is actually a nice interplay between malts and, you know, some little hop signature, but bourbon in there, so it's not just you're drinking bourbon. Um, I feel like the great beers like uh, KBS and stuff that have that, you know, that stronger alcohol-y flavor to them um, have it in equal parts as opposed to being over overly dominating. And this is another example where it turns out that you get that bourbon flavor, but it's not too forward where you're not getting an alcohol burn. You're not no. just tasting bourbon. This is something distinct from just having a glass of bourbon. It, it is a thing of its, of its, of its own. Uh, it's very good. It is I, very I, I'd pair this with ice cream too, but I would say more, maybe like a butter pecan yeah, or yeah. pistachio, maybe like some sort of nutty ice cream, like a hmm. almost like a like a peanut butter or something. Yeah, maybe peanut peanut butter. Although those tend to be a little sweet. I feel like um, for ice cream, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. This is very good though. Mm. Yet another great victory beer that we've run into. Yeah, right. They've been really crushing it lately. I've been passing up on this one. I've seen it a lot, but I was like, nah, nah, I'm not, not interested, but I'm, gl- I'm glad for the opportunity to try it. It's very good. Yet again, another d- d- very difficult beer versus beer. But that's not up to us to decide. Mm-hmm. We're about that. We're down to what would Jesse drink? Yeah, it's, I'm really, really surprised by this, 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 this beer, Rob, but Mike, no. I don't like no. the storm came more. Going okay. for the Storm King, all right. Yeah, um, this the the vanilla. This is amazing. I think this is delicious. Mm. It's very surprising. Mm. Um, but the Storm King has better, just more complexity. There's more going on. There's more in that. Just like the the balance, the flavor of the that coffee notes. It's just I really like what's going on there. There's a lot of coffee there, yeah. Which probably works in my favor. Uh, but I love the caramel notes in this Earth yeah. and Flame. Um, I'm a big caramel fan, so. So before they actually had the uh, storm drop for sale, um, and I know I've talked about it before, Janine and I went went down for a victory uh, dinner down there, and they paired what was I imagine a prototype of the storm drop with Storm King as the dessert course, mm. and having something that was a little bit of Storm King flavor in a vanilla ice cream paired with Storm King was just. <laughs> oh my god, it was so good. It was just sort of like, oh, this beer is amazing. Oh, the ice cream. Oh, the beer. It was just, they just complement <laughs> each other into this this ever increasing mouthgasm of awesomeness. It was pretty pretty incredible. So I really can't uh, complain. I had a feeling that was it was going to be a very close call um, when Mike and I were selecting the beers this time around because uh, they were both pretty phenomenal. Um, but yeah, actually, if gun to my head, I probably would have would lean towards the Storm King over. Uh, the Earth and Flame. Well, the Earth and Flame was way better than I was expecting it to be when I uh, when I when I had it for the first time. Yeah. Earth and Flame. How did they come up with the name? I guess Earth Bread and yeah, I don't and know. vanilla. And they toast <laughs> the malt, so it's fire. I, don't, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, fire and maybe they think it's supposed to burn on the way down. I don't know. Hmm. Well, congratulations again, Mike. I feel like you thank you have been doing pretty well lately. No complaints here, though. Pretty much everybody wins when you're when you're doing beer versus beer. Yeah, with eleven point seven percent beers, yeah, I can't really yeah go wrong. No problem sleeping tonight. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Although I get very hot. Yeah, I was so gonna I say actually, to... I wake up in the middle of the night like super dehydrated. Like yeah, yeah I turn down the, the 
thermostat quite Very low warm, and then yeah. attempt to keep the girlfriend as far as possible and make her side <laughs> of the bed. But uh, Jesse's like a has his sweet, not really bachelor pad, but quasi bachelor pad here, so you don't really have to worry about that as much. You get the whole bed to yourself tonight, so uh, oh. get to stretch out. Interested yeah. listeners should send email to Jesse at the Blind Tiger Podcast <laughs> Do you get like Tinder names? Are, are you on Tinder? <laughs> uh, I know you swipe right, but like, what else is there to it? <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, that means you're doing dating right, Jesse. <laughs> if you're not meeting people yeah. on Tinder. You're doing great. No, my hairstylist does though. Uh, we, we, she tells me about her war stories and war stories. I like it, damn. Yeah, it was funny. So, um, uh, before this was like. I guess I, I I had her cut my hair once before, like back in like 2010 or 11 or something. And I guess I told her the story, all, all the story, or some of the stories, like, you know, the the one who had the vision of the Virgin Mary, and then there was the one who chased me down the street, all these weird dates that I was on. But then I then I went and I was living with that girl, you know, in Orwigsburg. And, and then I, a couple of years later, come down to, and I had my hair cut again. And, and she was like, oh, I, I didn't know it was her. I had the same one. And she's like, oh, tell me about yourself. I'm like, oh, and she's like, wait, are you the guy who was on those dates? It's like, yeah. And she's like, oh, I've been telling all sorts of people about your dating stories. Oh. Like, you know what? You think oh, you've had man. it bad? Let me tell you about Thanks. this guy. <laughs> oh, no. If if you and your current interest uh, don't work out, we need to start the... Uh, dating stories, dating horrors by Jesse podcast, yeah. so that you can regale not only the uh, past stories but any current stories of horrific first dates. Because uh, yeah, you've got an abundance of horrific first dates I mean, stories just, that are just comedy gold. No one would believe it was real. Right. Uh, I, well, we know you well enough to know that it's true. So uh, I well, would, you, I would you saw me when I was like, I was running away from a girl. Yeah. Like, I was going to go home. Instead, I'm like, I'm just showing up at a bar. Like, Brendy's like, oh, you guys are here. Good. Because I, could, I can't go home right now. <laughs> You're like the penthouse forum, but actually real. Like, <laughs> you won't believe this is true, but it really is. Yeah, like, but not in a good way. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, her and her roommate and her other roommate. It was like, yeah, her and her roommate and her other roommate drew knives and came after me because they thought I was the Antichrist. That's more Jesse style for dates. <laughs> oh, if it weren't funny. <laughs> No, if it weren't true, I think is what true, you mean. Yes, yeah, that's what I meant yeah. to say. Because it is oh funny. God. I think it's funny even when it's happening. Like, really, you, you had a vision of the Virgin Mary who told you you can't date me. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I've, I only have like one or two stories about It's that. like a new spin on the, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not you, it's Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think then then I had then I then I was I was at the Taj Mahal then with you and Janine and I was and she was going to the bathroom I asked her if she, she could see if there's like a watermark on the wall back there like do you, is there like something that vaguely represents you know looks like perhaps the Virgin Mary <laughs> like where someone could hallucinate that or? Uh, no there was not there was not even remotely close not that much as she was in like an Indian restaurant which Hindu you know symbology would be much more likely than Christian symbology. Oh, no, no. We were at the Taj Mahal, but she was definitely hardcore Christian. Yeah. Yeah. No surprise there. Well, that's it for today's show. We hope you enjoyed our celebration of victory celebration of 19 great years of craft beer. 
I know I speak for all of us when we say we've thoroughly enjoyed the beers that uh, Victory is producing the last couple of years. We need to venture down to their new uh, location in, what, Downingtown after they uh, open up for the brew pub part? Oh, um, what did they close Parksburg. down? Parksburg. 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 Oh, yeah, That's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, so I'll have to do that when they are officially open and people can get in there. Um, join us next week for another exciting sample suit. I'm not quite sure what it is right now, but I'm sure it'll be great. Um, thanks for listening. And of course, keep on drinking. That's today's show. For more information on today's podcast or to subscribe. Well, I feel like every time I download a free piece of software, it's like, do you want to install the Ask Toolbar? And I'm like, no, nobody wants to install it. Except my mother. She does that. comments or questions to show at she use it? I've been to people's houses where they had toolbars at one point in time where I was just like, three ask toolbars? Oh my God. Not ask toolbars, but like a big one and an ask one and like a Yahoo one and you're just AOL one and you're just like, oh my God. I wonder your computer so yeah, they, all those things should be opt-in, and people who don't make make them opt-out are fucking bastards. That includes, like, Adobe, who every time I, like, do Flash is always like, oh, do you want to install it? I'm like, no, I don't want to install your should shit. Like some McAfee? Yeah, some McAfee. Yeah, here's some free McAfee, six months free. <laughs> or is it McAfee? I've heard it both ways. I love McAfee, but I like McAfee. McAfee. I like McAfee. Give me some McAfee. Give me my McAfee. Oh, don't you know. All right. Well, that was weird.